happy Tuesday. Welcome to Adam versus the man. Got a great show stacked up for you today. Big pile of financial news because we've had some drama in the LNC. That's the Libertarian National Committee of late. Uh, we we were like deep into this last Thursday and then yesterday kind of pretended like it didn't happen as we did COVID and talked about weed in Colorado and uh, Martin Cowan running for uh, for Congress in Georgia for the third time. Great candidate there. Great show yesterday. But we just kind of like pretended like all that LP stuff of last week and over the weekend didn't happen. So we're going to get to uh, our co-host Steve Remus today in just a few minutes to catch up on all the LNC drama. And I, I'm I, I've, I've stepped back for like the last 24 hours and just been like, well, Let's see what happens. Um, I don't. I didn't mean to, but it hasn't like come to me. Like this stuff recently. Like I. I don't. I don't keep up with LNC news directly. Like I don't. I don't read the LNC list serve. I'm not. You know, the list serve. I think that it's they. They have sort of a. They. They have a public conversation of of email chains and and the votes that they do by email for the LNC. This is the Libertarian National Committee, the people in charge, the representation of the body for the national organization of the Libertarian Party, which includes the national chair of the Libertarian Party, vice chair, secretary, treasurer, members at large, regional reps, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the chair resigned on Friday. And I think our it was Friday, right? The chair resigned, JBH. And anyway, we're going to catch up on this, but this was followed because like on our show Thursday, if you didn't see our show Thursday, we had a really special th- show Thursday with a, with a panel on this, including LNC Secretary Karen Ann Carlos, who was still embroiled in the middle of an attempt to remove her from the LNC for issues of decorum. I have friends who I have great faith in actually on both sides of this, but I'm pretty confident in my side and that it's the majority and the, that most of the people pushing for her removal right now are plants or tools um we'll get into that fun stuff today um let's see what else uh oh before we go to jim for the producer's notes what do, what do we got adam's adam's meteorological observations the weather from gardenia, of course. gardenia uh, we should have a weather <laughs> that would be fun we can, have, we can use the whiteboard to like do green screen and be like uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um topless weather, is that is that what, you, what you're getting at? Okay. That's the thing. Uh but no, I, I like occasionally I do I do like to start the show with heads ups on uh coming meteorological phenomena and celestial phenomena. And uh I didn't really do this in the past, but it's kind of fun as like, hey, this is the world we live in, let's take a note of cool stuff going on. I wish that the news that I got had like a, a, a little more global perspective in covering out there weather events, but celestial events, when they say that there's an eclipse, it's like, well, here's where in the world you can see it. You know, so um, super strawberry moon and the U.S. sun. Why am I doing this from the sun? I think because I got this article from Drudge. They have the silly wordplay headlines. Sweet sight. You got this one, Jim. Sweet sight. 
rare strawberry supermoon will appear huge, huge, huge this week. How and when to see it. So, uh, actually, Joey and I have been watching the moon creep up because it's it's been in a really cool position yeah. as it as it waxes as it waxes. Waxing. It's waxing. It's getting fuller. Waning is getting le- wax and wane, right? Wane is to lessen. And I'm like, wait, wax sounds because I know the word wane. Like, yes, it's waning and it's waning. Like, it's a common, but we never use the word waxing in any other context really. with without. And, and it's like waxing poetic or like uh, you know, it just sounds like something other than growing. But yes, in this in the context of moon. Waxing a candle. That's how I remembered it when I was a kid. Was oh, so it's growing by layers of wax. Oh, okay. Oh. That's not oh. Oh. Okay. So what's the tribulation? Because the trials and tribulations, it's like, why do those always go together? And we we hear trials where there's like there's lots of trials that go without tribulations, but you never hear anybody having tribulations without trials, like. Hey man, how's it going? We should get that. We should take. Man, that. I've been I've just been dealing with a lot of tribulations lately. You having trials with that? It's no, it's just tribulations. Just a lot. I've been tribulating like a motherfucker. That's an adaptation of an old Hannibal Burst joke. But yeah, uh, tribulate. Like, dude, what are what the fuck is a tribute? I don't know. Tribulations. You have it. You. It's when you dip a candle in acid and the wax comes off. It's tribulated. So if you're experiencing tribulations, it's you don't fucking know, Joe. Like, why? <laughs> but you, I'm sure great. <laughs> but we all know the word, right? Trials and tribulate the trials. Of, now I feel like, and I feel like, an, I'm an asshole if I don't look up the word tribulations because like, like I don't know stuff. It means it means hard, trying times. Check me out, this. No. 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 It is a cause. What? Of great trouble or suffering, or secondary definition, a state of great trouble. Or okay, suffering. so a state but it's not trouble. the troubles; it's the state or the cause. So, like, I mean, you're right that it was bad stuff, but no, <laughs> close, close, close guess. I can't. It's pretty, pretty obvious assumption. Yeah, it's not like trials and rainbows. It's trials and tribulation. It's shit that goes with trials. Trials are not fun when you're the subject of them. I would know. <laughs> Uh, so how to see the back? All right, sweet sight. Back to the sweet sight. How to see the super strawberry moon? The last full moon of 2021 will be a super strawberry moon. The full moon will be at its biggest on June 24th. So tonight or tomorrow night. Look southeast just after sunset. I guess it would be the night after tomorrow if it's the evening of june 24th but uh you know day or two before you can't really tell if it's full or not don't pretend like you can look southeast just after sunset to spot it shining in the night sky so um why why is it strawberry supermoon um let's see it is set to be the biggest and brightest full moon of the summer hanging low in the sky when it rises on thursday the sweet name was actually more to do with the fruit than the moon itself. Is well, thing? Is it a I assume it's because there's strawberries on, oh. on Earth, not because they found strawberries on the moon. We would know about that. 
Um, yeah. Uh, the main Farmer's Almanac first published Indian names for the full moons in the 1930s. According to the Almanac, is a full moon in June and the last full moon of spring. The Algonquin tribes call this the strawberry moon. The name comes from the relatively short season for harvesting strawberries in the northeastern United States. Also reminding us of one more reason you shouldn't fucking live in the northeastern United States. An almanac is an annual publication that lists events. That's in the article. That's a, I assumed you knew what an almanac was, but that you didn't know what tribulations were. And what was the other? You didn't know what waxing was in terms of growing or where that, yeah, that a moon growing is waxing. Uh, a super moon appears when a full moon aligns with the point closest to the Earth during its elliptical orbit. During this time, it appears 14% bigger and 30% brighter than usual. And this it's a really cool time here in Gardenia because beautiful nighttime weather. The, um, the, the Milky Way in the sky has been, has been really something something to behold uh when when it when the moon's not out like it is now when the moon sets or before the moon rises though over the summer out here it's like ribbon of it's not a ribbon what would you describe what is the smear a smear no that doesn't do it justice but yeah visually it's a smear of it's a it's a skid mark mark. like a skid mark across the earth um skid mark uh, a pearl necklace across the sky. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, so fourteen percent bigger and thirty percent brighter than usual. We'll be we'll be out tonight, tomorrow night, Thursday night, doing some night photography. Maybe we'll get some. I guess I got a new phone. Yeah, I got a new Fourth phone with optical zoom and night photography. I am psyched about this. It was, I got it a few days ago. I haven't tried it out yet. The S21 Ultra 5G, whatever the fuck. Yeah, Samsung S21 5G Ultra Plus Super Hydro Megaphone <laughs> uh, with ultra megapixels and ultra wide 5G. It was ultra narrow. I don't know why wide, wide, wide bands better, better say. I don't We don't have 5G in Gardenia yet. We're waiting for it. So, the show's better, hopefully with better sound and video quality. And it should be, we should have a somewhat more reliable connection. Never have to worry about battery life with this thing. Well, we but night photography, camera. definitely better cameras. It's got, look, look, you're, she's looking at the back of it right now. How There's many cameras do you see? Two, Those are all cameras. There's like five them. lenses and like one little thing. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. We're going to get some good pictures of the sky. Put them up in the, uh, the Patreon group. All right. Well, Susie, we got a lot of economic headlines to get to, and before that, even LP gossip. So, with that, Jim Freedom, producer notes, please. LP gossip coming up, everybody. What's going on? Good morning to you. A couple of producer notes for you. One, I'd like to give one of our Producers Club members a nice happy birthday. You know who you are, Mr. Matt. Uh, Happy birthday to you. I wanted to say that to you live on the air. The other thing I wanted to say, producers notes, Yesterday's guest was from Colorado Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. They would like us to issue a correction from yesterday's show. Their VP is actually Chris 
Chiari, C-H-I-A-R-I, not Julie Richardson, who we had on. That's their VP. So not much of a difference. Uh, they just wanted to make sure that that was cleared up and accurate so that everybody knows uh, who, who actually runs their organization, what's going on. As far as our notes, as far as our show, Adam versus the man, t.me forward slash Adam versus the man is the public Telegram channel. I don't know if you've joined it yet, but if you haven't, you should. It's real easy. Download Telegram, then download, uh, then go to t.me forward slash Adam versus the man, and boom, you're in the club. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man has a bunch of different ways you can support the show. One, five, ten, or even $50 a month. $10 a month is a sweet spot that'll get you access to a private producers club, which is another Telegram chat that we run. Uh, that's a great time. So definitely get connected and get yourself involved. Instagram has at the garden of freedom. Adam was just describing his brand new phone that he's going to start getting some good night pictures tonight and soon with those will be posted on Instagram at the garden of freedom. So if you want to see those definitely get connected there. Instagram at the garden of freedom. Next we got the crypto six.com. Yep. They're still relevant because we still got a guy locked in a cage and we still got legal issues for these people. The Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. So visit the crypto six.com and do your part. You do your best to help them out there with their legal fees, et cetera, and everything else they might possibly need, or just simply go there to write to the, to the guy that's still in the cage. Lastly, go green energy online.com. It's the best website we send everybody to that wants to learn more about solar power, micro wind power, zero energy homes, things like that. If you're looking to go off grid, you're looking to just make your home more self-sustaining off the grid, go green energy online.com's website for you. And that's all I got. Thank you very much. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy the show. All right. Let's get co-host Steve Remus up on screen here. Good morning, Steve. How you doing, Good brother? Good morning. I am fantastic. I am also tribulating like a motherfucker today. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So, uh, what, what are you tribulating about? LP tribulations? I mean, I guess it's just normal libertarian. I guess we're just supposed to tribulate about everything. <laughs> hey, it's like, not every week the chair resigns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not It's not every week the chair resigns. It's not every week we have, I think, two or three regional representatives resign. Uh, and then we also don't try to oust our secretary of the party as retribution on their way out. Um, so I think that pretty much sums up what has happened. Um, the, the vice chair did rule that the initial ballot to oust Karen Ann was out of order. Uh, so they, they resubmitted and, you know, it's, it's for, for lack of decorum, if you go through the email list, every single one of them should throw themselves off, off the board. Because well, I, I hold on. Have you? I, I, I want to play devil's advocate. I'm going to argue okay. against my own position here for a second. But have you seen the full case against Karen Ann Richard Longstreth's uh, full list of charges? I have. I guess uh, so. Okay. I have. And I'm, I was I was disappointed in specifics, but apparently for the board, that enough of them know what that's referring to that they don't need specifics to vote on it at least. Uh, but as a member, like, it, so I, I, I'm friends with, with, uh, with, with Ebke, Laura Ebke, the former, uh, Senator, state yeah. Senator in Nebraska, uh, great woman, great libertarian activist. She's the one who switched Republican to libertarian as a seated Senator and lost her seat as a result. 
and has been loyal and active with the with the LP since. Um, and and she is voting, or or did vote at least for that. Yeah. And so just as as a as a as a rank and file member of the party, you know, I said, "What have you posted about this? What's your position?" And she directed me to Longstreth's post and. Um, so, and, and I said, you know, do you agree with the, the gist of this? And she said, yes. So, okay. And, and uh, even then, I, I mean, I, I still, I, I think that a lot of the stuff's serious. And I do think Karen Ann is the most out of decorum member of the board. <laughs> like, it's, it's not just the pink hair. You know, there, there's a personality and, and well, the way she carries herself and, and deals with it. That goes with that, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, okay. I mean, we all... We all should know, right? So I met Karen Ann, I think for the first and only time at the Arizona LP convention, right? So it's like you know she's going to be outspoken, right? That's that's not hidden. Yeah. It's it's very, um, and especially in regards to the way the rest of the board was treating this specific situation. Um, now, if if they're taking, because I don't think what's happening is they're taking the whole body of work, right? They're going well in this particular situation. Uh, you, you no, it's, it's it's hold on. It's it's simpler than that, Steve. Let me let me get past this and see if you agree with the the conclusion, which is a, a censuring for the from the board to one of its members to say this is not okay. This is how it's getting in the way and how we don't like it and and how it violates and how it is technically grounds for removal. This is your big warning, you know, and 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 that might something in those lines. You know, along those lines, could be appropriate. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not weighing it out. But the idea of removal at at a time where it's clearly retaliatory, and it's like, well, she's always been a bit loud. I don't even want to say abrasive. I get it in a way that some would find abrasive. But she works hard. She gets it done. She doesn't speak against the nap. And everybody else in this party should be, you know, ashamed when measured up to Karen and Harlow's. And and that they want to jump on this now. It's not that this is illegitimate, but taking this to removal instead yeah. of centering, uh, absolutely inappropriate. Doing it now in retaliation uh, after her pushing the JBH issue and coming on this show Thursday, absolutely fucking inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Okay. Uh, Centering, so it, 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 moving, yeah, moving to suspend her is is a very, uh, especially since they initially tried to do it, from my understanding, out of their own bylaws. So that's a whole other. That's we 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 just did something outside of the bylaws. Why are we gonna repeat that same? We're just gonna repeat the same mistake, uh, you know. And and they all know, right? They all know that they have to hold an actual meeting to do this. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It just it just seems. Uh, I guess I'm tribulating over the fact that we all seem to have elected a bunch of children who can't adjust their their personality differences and communicate and get along. I you know hold on. I, I wanted to say this from the beginning to reframe this because it, it does you know it's it's really important to look at this the right way. There are a lot of people who come out and say I'm embarrassed, and I'm like fuck you. First of all. <laughs> Because that's an emotional appeal. Yeah. I like, oh, I should change my behavior because of your feelings. Fuck you. From one libertarian to another, we're supposed to be a little more rational than that. 
Not that we dismiss feelings, not that we don't respect them, but you want to make an appeal to me about how the Libertarian Party should do business, and you start with, I'm embarrassed, fuck you, everything else you have to say after that isn't valid. And when I hear a lot of that, I think of I think a lot of people in this party are tools. And I mean, I don't mean that in a general insulting pejorative sense, because I've been a tool before, a tool of infiltrators and saboteurs, where you are used like a tool to spread dissension or distrust or spread rumors or cause divisiveness or vote a certain way or raise a certain issue at a particular time or just allow some infiltrator to push you in one particular direction or another. I think a lot of it is just uh, unnecessary conflict. And in a sense, we're, we're, in, we're in a battle, we're in a war. You know, we're in a war and we have this battle that's now turned internal heating up. And it's not because, oh, the nature of the libertarian movement has changed and all of a sudden we're all a bunch of children. No, no fuck that analysis. That, that, is, that is not in line with my understanding of reality. And it's that now infiltrators in our ranks are revealing themselves. And I don't mean literally revealing themselves, but they're making their plays and they're using tools. They're not even doing it themselves. And so it's not like they're revealing themselves, but they're showing that they are present. They are inside our ranks. They, 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 have, they, have, they have snuck into our fob and, 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 and they've set off some IDs and you go, well, we don't know. It's not one of us. You know, it's, it's definitely not one of us. But it's not someone who has the best interest of freedom or the Libertarian Party at heart who's driving the shit. No, fuck no. Like it, it, what, what we what we have right now, it, what we are getting is wounded. And when you're in when you're in battle, you, you don't get embarrassed because of your wounds and run. And it's the same thing. You see them as, as scars. You're live. You're, you're wounded and you're alive and you're going to survive. Well, fuck yeah, you be proud of those scars then, and go forward with that mentality. And 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 right now, there are a lot of people in the LP who just don't get this, and it's really sad. And and I heard that in your language. I know you're on my side with this, but <laughs> I want to take the opportunity to 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 make sure that that our audience understands that that is the right perspective. And, yeah. and it's one of the most important things I can do with this show is step, you know, give people my step back perspective and go like, no, no, don't be embarrassed. The, the, you know, you're, you're embarrassed because you've been infiltrated. No, you, we should be proud that we are worthy of this kind of attack. Well, it's like a, it's like we talked about, right? The fear of uh, the fear of government. Right. So 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 we should have a, a, a cautious fear that that we with everything else going on in other political parties, we should have a fear that there will be bad actors, right? Bad faith yeah. actors. It should be expected. And even even in, in my campaign, right? So they're gonna, the, the AOZ GOP is gonna run a libertarian Republican as a libertarian. Um, if you go to his Facebook page, it's nothing but make America great again, vomit inducing <laughs> authoritarianism, right? And I'm like, well, this is either going to be really easy or he'll, he'll be able to persuade people because he has a lot more money than I do. Right. So that's 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 a that's a thing that we expect. And when you see it play out 
on a national level, right? Because everyone's everyone's saying is like, oh well, I thought this and I didn't expect this, and now I'm scared. Well, the whole point of this is they're gonna try to scare you, mm-hmm. and this is no this is no time for cowardice, right? So this this is when you know be brave. Yeah, I, I hate to use warrior or militaristic yeah, or hate, conflict hate too, but type, huh? Yeah, I, I I was trying to, you know, get away from like, you know, this is Sparta. Get our warriors and like go. <laughs> but hey, this is that that's where there is one really critical element of warrior culture for any revolutionary movement as we are, or a resistance movement as we are in a bigger sense, even of resisting the like you say who are we as the libertarian movement we're a revolutionary movement in the sense that we want a fundamental revolution in how society is organized sure i call it an evolution the term revolution in messaging helps sometimes hurts other times doesn't really matter but we are revolutionary we are a resistance movement in this and in a bigger one that now that would include black lives matter grassroots at least of resisting the police state we are a bigger movement of resisting the surveillance state and and you know uh every other part of tyranny that there are people conscientiously resisting right now and for any resistance movement in that sense we have to keep that perspective and and we have to acknowledge that it, while you can in many ways analyze this as a war it's not it is it is absolutely a de-escalation there is a confrontation element to it and there is a violence element to it but it is not a war it is not two forces trying to kill each other into submission that's not what this is it's a people versus a criminal element that is of us that is government that is from us that is derived of our paradigm that you know the point has been made if if you got rid of all government tomorrow this society would produce the same government tomorrow of course it would take a while and blah blah blah, blah. but uh it, it is born of the current paradigm it is not just some it's not some random alien criminal element that showed up and is forcing government on us. And so the fight is for the the paradigm, the the, the, the hearts and minds of the people, for the will of the public to be better represented, to defeat the injustice of the current system. And so the thing to get from warrior culture out of those elements that are confrontational is Zen-centeredness. You know, and, and, and they teach this as a matter of discipline when it comes to marksmanship in the Marines, even. You know, you learn breath control. You learn focus. You're not thinking about Mary Jane Rottencrotch back at home when rounds are coming down range. There's a certain discipline that goes with combat and training for that. But you know what I think of it, too, uh, is, is like is, is the, the focus and discipline of yoga. And when I started doing yoga, I right away made the comparison of Marine Corps marksmanship and that, oh, yeah, it's it's breath control, body control, posture control. And it, it and it, it it's focus. It's an exercise in all of those things. And like what you said that made me think of all of this is that they want you to be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not fight back. It's not like even be brave. You know, it's. 
stay centered. <laughs> be be yeah. at peace. Well, that's, Don't that's let that. them throw you off that center. You know, it's it's be non-reactionary. Because when you are reactionary, you are a slave. You are giving up your free will to choose your actions in order to react to an external stimuli that somebody else controls and is using to control you. If you stay centered, you stay healthy, you stay at peace. It's Mental Health Tuesday. We got some fun stories to get to on that account. Steve, I didn't expect this is like Zen libertarianism now. Ooh. Hey, uh, but I hope people get the point that like, have that, right? Have that warrior Zen as an activist. Yeah. You need that. Yeah, because I mean, when it comes down to it, right? So possibly the bravest thing we can do is stay centered and stay focused. You know, it's it's we we know what, especially in the Libertarian Party, we we know like what our what our end end goal or or what our ideal goal is, and that that should be the focus. And that's like when this whole thing broke out, like we in Arizona were like, great, we'll keep an eye on it. But we in Arizona, we have our own we have our own focus. We have our own we have our own things that we want to work on and that we work towards. Unfortunately, this blew up like a huge dumpster fire. And then we were like, all right. And then, you know, we all start reading the email list and like, what is going on? Like, yeah, well, hopefully it can be a cleansing dumpster fire and yeah. a teachable moment for the party. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, as long as as long as we learn something, mm -hmm. what was happening? Wrong? Everyone ex is exposed. Isn't that happening in the other parties? Mike Freeman on YouTube with that question. Well, and that's a um, that's a good I, question. Yeah, there is there is one thing is that we we do lose like very few people in Libertarian Party leadership have experience in old party leadership, and those that do go like. This is still so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's yeah. like a stability of evil in the old parties. It's not. It's well, there's still know, bullshit. You know, I know I messaged you last night. And I was like, man, we should talk about caucuses because when you look at the caucuses oh, right. in the big parties, right? So, like in the in the Republican Party, you have the Freedom Caucus, you have the Liberty Caucus, and you have other caucuses, and you know they don't. You know, if, if they do have issues like we currently have with caucuses inside the LP. Um, they're not on full on display, right? They, they do a very good job of being able to hold that inside. And I think that's where we, we maybe benefit because we're very transparent and we're like, well, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that, that go on inside a political party and, and, and almost any outsider can come in and everybody's like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about what's going on with the Mises caucus or Oh, did you hear about this caucus that just disbanded? And someone that's new to the party's like, "What's a pragmatist?" You know? Yeah. Right. No, this is all. A lot of this, by the way. If anybody in the in the comments as like, there are no dumb questions at this point. I get it. Yeah. Steve and I go from like one hundred and one level to super inside baseball names <laughs> you've never heard of in a heartbeat, and it's like. If you have questions about how things work or how this interacts, please feel free to, free to jump in. Uh, but the caucus thing, Steve, I mean, I, my, I, I made a joke on Twitter the other day saying, like, I hereby officially resign from all caucuses. If you've got me on your 
Facebook group or email list from years ago. Take me off. Except for one, I'm founding the Anti-Caucus Caucus, which is like, I think that's an old joke in the LP. I'm definitely not the first one to start the Anti-Caucus Caucus in the LP. We're just that kind of contrarian. Uh, but I, I said, you know, I, 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 my twist was, if you're a member of the LP, you're automatically a member. You're automatically on our roll. Because yeah. the because the LNC was trying to put together this. Uh, so there's a review board. And this is the, the last thing like we want to catch people up on for national party drama. Is that Saturday night, there was a scheduled LNC meeting, virtual, by Zoom. And they concluded with, we are going to impan. We, we passed the motion to have a three- person panel investigate the everything with New Hampshire and, and our chair and blah, blah, blah. And that they said, we're, we're going to take nominations over the next couple of days and, and then come back. And apparently it devolved into like total bullshit uh, partisanship. And now they're like, ah, oh, fuck, we got to hire outside investigators. And I'm, I'm kind of, um, I don't know about that, man. I'm not, but I'm kind of excited that there is enough, like, okay, so being hopeful, how strong are, are our internal defenses in repelling an infiltration attack? They are. Do, and, and the question is, do we have a critical mass of people who care to not let shit slide and say, so, yeah, we're going to, all right, the chair resigned. We're not just going to let that. We're going to have an investigation. There's information that people were before he resigned. People were asking for information from him about his dealings with the New Hampshire issue, and yeah. he refused to give up that information. So we're going to have an investigation. We're going to, and, and I think that means there's a critical mass of honest people who also are who can't get bullied into letting shit slide. And I don't. Maybe there's someone right now trying to muck up this process. I, I, it seems like it seems like there is. From I mean, yeah. what what Karen Ann told me, in that the the nominations by email have devolved into a shit show. Pretty sure she called oh, it a shit oh, show. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, it, and it's interesting to, to see some of the history, like like some of the. I, I don't want to say that, you know, you you run the risk of having, like people that have been in the party for 20, 30 years, right? Um, it's it's an interesting concept to have them be the majority nominees for an investigation where some of them have already expressed their ability to not be biased in the situation. So you look at, okay, so we're going to have an outside the LNC board investigate, but is that truly a non-biased objective approach? Most likely not, because most likely the ones that have been in the party that long are some of the donors to some of the board members and, and the like. So, unfortunately, I don't I don't know of I don't I don't have a solution for that problem and how you how you screen or vet people to 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 do the investigation in a biased manner, right? Like it, it's it's almost like. You you have uh, you have faith that the the older members of the party will 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 go and guide the party in the right direction through the investigation, um, but if you look at the major parties, all those people 
that have been in those parties for a long time, you know, guide the party in the in the direction they wish it to go and not. <laughs> yeah, right. They're all. Well, I, I think in, in our case, too, there's a significant manipulation of who is encouraged and financially supported in their participation. And I, and I think a lot of good people slowly get pushed out. You know, and I've seen a lot of burnout and it's really sad. And I think a lot of times it's false accusations and bad jacketing and defamation and drama. Excuse me. And just just petty harassment. Like, hey, you're you're gonna be a serious LP activist. Well, all right, we're gonna target you now. And then and then you see people like go away for five, ten years, and it's it's really sad. Um, and that's that's part of like, do can you maintain that warrior Zen? Are you on the path of, you know, uh, acknowledging these things and facing them without emotional distractions and and biases and objectively rationally pursuing the goal of a voluntary society with the passion that that you truly feel for it? Or are they gonna? I mean, that's what they do. They 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 rob you of your passion and they 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 fuck you up in such a way. And I've man, I've I've been tempted and I've had times in my career where I've been less involved I've never dropped out but I've seen a lot of people come and go during my time and it's it's sad when you wonder when it's like y'all never even fucking took my advice and read the Wikipedia article for COINTELPRO did you you have no fucking clue what why you're being it's not you it's not you and that's the thing that fucking kills me is they they it's, it's gaslighting too there's a huge element of gaslighting in all of this oh, yeah um, and, and even if it's not at the level specifically of gaslighting, of, of misdirection and making people think poorly of themselves um, and, and saying, well, you need to res- like you need to quit doing activism. You need to resign your position because you're a piece of shit because, look, you caused all this drama. And it's like, no, that drama came around you because you were effective. Yeah. And infiltrators decided to target you then. And it's it, and, and again, like fucking. You know, where where your wounds like battle scars and 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 let's keep marching. So, Steve, anything else you want to catch up on that? Or you want to tell us your uh, your comment contest? Uh, let's just uh, go to the comment contest, because I think anything else will be a rather involved conversation. So uh, let's see here. We're going to do if you could get rid of one of your local government's policies or regulations, what would it be and why? Just one. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good here. I think I got rid of all of my local government uh, <laughs> based on where <laughs> I live. Uh, you know, we're in unincorporated county land. If any, by the way, if any libertarian ever asks you what city you live in, you know what the right answer is. Real libertarians don't live in cities. What are you talking about? Why well, would we don't go where more government is? No, where do they pile statists on top of each other? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, so and out here in the county, county government is uh, pretty close to irrelevant. But yeah, great question. Well, I'm trying to think, what would I get rid of if there was like Joey out here? Is there something even? I mean, there's there's the weird existential threat of zoning and code enforcement. I guess property taxes. I get rid of property taxes, and they're yeah. pretty minimal. And and I think as a disabled vet, I get to file. To, uh, they haven't even bothered me about. Like I paid them. For the first two years I was here, because I was like, shit, I haven't filed the veteran exemption paperwork yet. And it was $400. So my whole, my whole thing. And they haven't tried to take it up on me for any of my improvements. Because um, they're all they all they're all encumbrances, technically. Excuse me, right? Healthy disrespect. Weed laws. 
for reasons. Yeah, for me, though, taxing, taxes and zoning, I guess that, that's all I get here with county government. Uh, weed's legal in the county. Yeah, it's, it's actually, in Arizona, so. you actually bring up an interesting story here in, tu in Tucson and Pima because the county and the city are fighting over who should pay more for water use <laughs> here. Yeah, it's like a huge thing. Yeah, I read, I read this article yesterday about it. We can talk about that some other day. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, we did skip over a lot with the uh, the forced drought or glossed over a lot, I think, last yeah. week with uh, possibly manufactured. I mean, it, it, is it man it's definitely manipulated drought conditions. And the idea of water shortages in 2021, yeah, government, there's no like, stop thinking about water as a limited resource because it's not. It's limited in the sense there's, there are only so many water molecules on the planet, but like we can desalinate, we can move water yeah. with solar power, with wind power, that we can manage it, we can, we can have luxurious waterways wherever we can terraform and transform landscapes. Like the idea that like the evaporative water generation is the thing, like just where we are with energy production, technology, moving water, evaporative water generation, there's no fucking excuse for there to be droughts in California. So one way or another, fuck you government, especially California government, um, for making it harder for them to grow my walnuts. Um, and, in the uh, Central Valley. Um, all right, so keep your answers coming. Steve's going to be on the comments. We're going to be getting to our guests in just under an hour, but until then, we do have some serious econ headlines to get to. It is Tuesday. We try to talk about money on Tuesday. So, but it, even though we're not doing COVID, because COVID is can't contained, should we take our COVID vitamins before jumping into this? Because this, this, first, this first headline... It really is kind of a doozy. <coughs> no, no, no! Smoke weed every day! Alright, alright, alright. We have big, big headlines. Serious economic news to cover today. Starting with this doozy from The Guardian. Yeah, I'll just be here sipping on my tea, saying I told you so for the rest of my life. Is that is that what I'm I'm doomed to become? Maybe. Is that uh, I'm I'm just gonna be like the old guy with the big beard and the long hair going. <sighs> told you so. Yeah, the Guardian world gained 5.2 million millionaires last year in COVID crisis. I have to say on this one, not so much. And I told you so. I said it was going to be 5.163 new, uh, new million new millionaires, and it's actually five point. They might be. I mean, I might be right. They might be rounding up. But uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. The two things I want to say about this. I mean, this is like, yeah, we got to talk about COVID, right? Wealth gap has widened as rich cash in on rising shares in house prices, says Credit Suisse. And so, yeah, here's a picture of a fancy car. Thanks, Guardian. This is really illustrating the story. Uh, but no, then they have a graph and uh, where where the millionaires occur. Like, and this is, like, stop for a second. I got to repeat the number. 5.2 million new millionaires what's a million million is a trillion dollars and and we're talking 
if, if, if these people went from broke to a million each, 5.2, yeah, 5.2 trillion dollars in the hands of 5.2 million people each now having a million dollars each. That's enough money to wipe my ass with all the Federal Reserve notes until I until I'm raw. That's that's a lot of that's a lot. I mean to go to the moon and back three times and circle the earth eight and a half times and fuck your fiat currency because here's my first point. A million dollars isn't that much anymore. Not really. The word millionaire or even million, like compared to all million, billion, trillion, they rhyme. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? Did you notice that? Uh, whereas thousand, hundred thousand, like this is just, but million. I mean, they made fun of that in a late nineties movie about how million dollars was. Did they? Did they? Did oh, uh, but no. Uh, yeah, even even now, like you look, it's it's it's. But but now, okay, now with with house prices going up, commodities rising, um, all all the inflationary effects, the de- the, the of what is really the devaluation effect from the, the the lagging effect of past inflation of the monetary supply and a lot of it is relative to the amount of productivity productivity still reduced as a result of covid right money in the market even though the inflation is is a bigger thing where policies happen at the at the at the federal reserve board level and and with interest rates and how much money is out there that's all still continuing i don't think there's been a sudden shift in that but what we have seen is a sudden shift in the relative dollars in the market chasing less goods because of the stimulus following a relative reduction in productivity as a result of COVID, forced unemployment, lower demand, et cetera, et cetera. But the wealth gap, so that's one, one thing, you go, know, well, of course, there are going to be more, but how many millionaires are less than $1,400 over that line? And if it wasn't for the st- last stimulus check, they would not be millionaires. I, I don't know how they're counting this exactly. Uh, yeah, and I don't really care to get Because like, if they're kind of like, like, Say you own your house, it's almost paid off. Like that's a very good house, question. Houses are worth a million dollars. Um, I, I think it's net worth. I think they're looking at net worth. So, so it's money in the bank, money in real estate, money in stocks, all together. So it's like if you had a million, like that's in the United States, you could be a millionaire, and I mean, you'd not be poor. I mean, you'd be. I'm not. I'm not trying to like demean this. Right. No, no, but but if you if you you could no no imagine if you're a million dollars is um like you, you it it's you you own an old family house that thanks to weird real estate shit beyond your control is now worth a million dollars and you you're on retirement or you live on social security in a million dollar house yeah now you're a millionaire there's yeah now you're a millionaire but meanwhile you can't really you can't really like what do you have to do like, like you'd have to sell that family house perhaps that is wor- worth a million dollars to be able to, you know, downsize. And that's fine. I'm not like, I'm not saying, oh, woe was you. But I'm saying, like, look at the squeeze of wealth that even people we say are millionaires, they're still really just upper middle class, right? Yeah. Jim, Jim Freedom. There are millionaires that live paycheck to paycheck. Oh. Yeah. And so, like, but what, like, you've got to, like, they count, maybe they count your retirement fund in stocks. And now you're a millionaire because your 401k. Because some some stock went up because of bailouts or government manipulation, general inflation of value, 
that happens through the stock market as a whole. You're a millionaire, and uh, you know, they, like I, I'm not going to cry for you, but being a millionaire just it, it, it used to mean rich. <clears throat> it used to mean ooh one percent. Now, now it it, it, it it well, if you had a million dollars, like say if you, say you had a million, like a million dollars cash, that's different. But even then, it's not. In terms of practically living with a house and, and, and economic security, you know, you, you still have to invest that carefully. And I would still say that, you know, until until you make some score from that, and you can be cash rich and live luxuriously, right? Like you could, if you had a million dollars cash, say I'm going to invest it in crypto and stocks and I'm going to be like the homeless billionaire. I'm going to travel from hotel to hotel and, and have champagne and caviar every night. Like, you know, you could probably do that. But then you don't have any wealth, you don't have any stability, you run through that million dollars and then you're broke. A cool year making. Right. <laughs> so if you had a million dollars, you said, like, I want to live well, but I wanna I wanna make wealth out of it. I want to invest it. I want stable investment. I want real estate. You know, I want some significant holdings of gold and silver and crypto. You like look at and, and you get a million dollars and you're like, well, maybe it's not that much. But the thing is that's still upper middle class because middle middle class is paycheck to paycheck and zero net worth. Yeah. Paycheck, the, the the middle of the middle class, the bulk of this bell curve is is uh, like me, most people. Like, you know, I got some assets. I got some fun stuff. I'm not struggling. I'm never worried. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm actually, I think maybe upper middle middle class myself in this weird way that I would define it. Because on paper, I'm like, I'm broke. On paper, I'm poor, poor, poor. I own an eleven thousand dollars, thirteen thousand dollars piece of land. I guess they'd assess it with, with when I Google goes, oh, you're a celebrity, you're worth millions, yeah. Um, but like I've got, you know, I've got my fences and my driveways and everything else is just junk on the land in terms of the value, right? So maybe I own I own like a thirty thousand dollar piece of land outright, and that's that's like my nest egg. I don't own significant stock or crypto or anything else. So like on paper, I'm, I'm, I'm lower middle class. I, I might say because of the way I've engineered it in my values, I might be upper middle middle class, but not upper middle class, right? I'm not, I don't have a million dollars. My net worth, nowhere near that, right? It, by the most exaggerated of claims. And I'd, I'd still say I'm in that, I'm in that like paycheck to paycheck category. Like when I get money, it's, it's not insignificant to me. You know, it's not like um, a woman owns a million dollar house. She gets a, a welfare check or a, a social security check and goes, okay, it's, it's insignificant to me, to my net worth, but it's way significant to my, my operating costs. Right. Um, but then there's, there's a big chunk that that's uh, there's the sort of lower middle class, I would say in America, people who are for the most part, still materially comfortable, but debt laden, right. There's that debt laden middle class. And that's what you want to fall out of, or you you want to stay out. I'd rather be broke. I'd almost rather be broke than in that lower middle class of people who are working and in debt and and working poor. Like and 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 the thing is, that's falling apart right now too. There's no working poor in America. Welfare is too good. Why the fuck would you be working poor? Like working poor means working under the table now. Mm-hmm. Right. Working poor is like, oh, I, I live on welfare and food stamps, and I get a food card and. I go trim butt every now and then. 
right? Or I go sell oranges on the side of the road, or I sell drugs on the side, or I got my own little house. I, I go work at my brother's shop and, and get cash under the table every now and then. But, you know, as far as the government's concerned, I'm just broken on welfare. Like there's, that's, there's a lot of people like that. So that, that sort of lower middle class people are going, we've been getting squeezed. This sucks. Right? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, this is a long rant based on, you know, trying to contextualize this story. 5.2 million new Americans. And, uh, you know, you get what, what, so they're, they're, this is not the point. I'm not worried about how many Americans cross that $1 million line. <laughs> like, oh my God, the rich are getting richer. That's not what this is. This is inflation. more like inflation, dollars devalued, real estate is doing weird things while the suit it's it's the billion remember a billion is a thousand millionaires of that of these 5.2 million if if a thousand if if 99.9 percent of them died you would have one one that you would have five thousand what would what would it be five hundred five is that five point two million 5,200 uh, billionaires. And it's still a fuck ton. There was a growing super class. And, and it used to be that there was like a super class of kings, queens, oligarchs, super wealthy, right? And it's, it's actually growing now. There are a lot more people in this category of super rich as well. And, and, does it equate to the same political power when you need to be one of the top several hundred to be a political player? Maybe not, but this is a good thing for humanity and eventually it should be everybody. The goal again should be everybody to have superfluous wealth, but billionaires who can eat whatever they want, travel, whatever, wherever they want, live in whatever conditions they want, more or less wherever they want, who have access to whatever technology they want, health, care and services they want that's like that's what wealth really should be about in terms of quality of, of life right it's not money to control resources or be an influencer or be famous like for most people like that's the, it, that's what and and right now if you have a million dollars you you you're very comfortable probably probably, probably. but you're not you're not super you're not rich 10 hours this a is day to like something you're not interested in to maintain that many dollars then then i wouldn't well fuck yeah you're fucking like, poor if, if in yeah, order if, if in order to hold on to your mortgage you got to be out of your house for you got you don't get to live day. there eight hours a day you know half your working day plus you like there most of the time that you're, you're there you're, yeah exactly that's not your house that's you're true. yeah it's, it's not it's, it's not practical wealth it's wealth without quality of life Unless you, you have a big family to leave it to, and you're working towards something, you know, I can argue that. Like, yeah. But even then, what are we doing with mortgages? We're paying. We're paying the banks. We're paying the banks, and working for the man. Anyway, it's yeah, all, it's all farce. It's all. And and you know that's in the back of your mind. I know there are people in our audience who have mortgages, who have that mainstream lifestyle. And you go. You know that voice in the back of your head that goes, "I'm not free." I have to go to work because if I don't go to work, I can't pay the mortgage. My family gets kicked out. You're a slave. You set yourself up. You, you put like a Chinese finger trap from China. Aeronicus uh, Epicus, wealth should be defined as passive income being greater than expenses. Yeah. 
can you live uh, can you live well without working that's wealth right more work means less sex and that's not cool thank you empty on youtube yeah no but that, that last one can you can you can you live well without working that's wealth and i'd say in that sense i'm 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 almost wealthy i can i can i can live but well, not as well as i want like i want to get my teeth fixed you know um uh i i, I want to get my 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 eyes fixed into like the, i got lazy that was great but um mainly my teeth uh you know i want i want uh a, a personal chef and masseuse although i don't mind if they're robots uh, you see where we're going with this that's the profusion of of wealth and and uh you know quality of life that really should be coming for everybody so this 5.2 million new millionaires i'm like okay i see what you did there but do we resent them or do we go, no, it's, it's this process. And then even if you look at that, you look at the top and go, there's a lot more billionaires. Maybe this whole concept of wealth as we know it. And I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm a materialist capitalist, hardcore measure value kind of guy, but then also factor in what is the value of quality of life and how do you define that for yourself? And you have to be able to quantify that in order to value it properly. Politico, as pandemic subsides, businesses push Congress for one more bailout. This is the last one we promised. <laughs> the plea. Stimulus checks with this? Is this? Do we get more of our money back with this? <laughs> if we give the peasants some crumbs, we can get away with giving the lords their share. Uh, the plea comes even after Congress appropriated more than one trillion dollars over the past year to support smaller employers through forgivable loans and grants. Okay. The Atlantic, what quitters understand about the job market? More Americans are telling their boss to shove it. Is the workplace undergoing a revolution or just a post-pandemic spasm? Quitting your job is hot this summer. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so hot right now. More Americans quit in May than any other month on record, going back to the beginning of the century, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. For every 100 workers in hotels, restaurants, bars, and retailers, about five of them quit last month. Well, <laughs> and you know, it's funny because we, we, we are running multiple businesses here. I mean, Adam versus the man struggling through another startup mode with four partners uh with with the nonprofit with homefront battle buddies you know we are we are organizing a nonprofit business we will have employees uh has one now as an as with jim as executive director Yay. um big igloo geodesics which we have basically failed to you know recruit someone for but it's like we haven't really tried and then you go well it's a really it, the society, the, the, the bigger economic dynamics of welfare, central banking, inflation, crypto, job markets are conspiring against people working right now. We're at this and, and, and the crisis of COVID, the, the crisis of COVID, you know, the, the forced crisis, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it. It's a lot of, hey, let's let's stop hunting. Let's let's start eating food that we've been storing up for a long winter, right? And <laughs> thanks to modern technology, there's a lot of fucking food stored up. Like if we didn't want to work, if if if, if humanity just decided, you know that work thing, 
we want to stop doing that as soon as possible. We all want to just live a life of leisure. I'm not saying this is right or true or even hypothetically possible or realistic, but you can you can imagine for for like an economic thought exercise, if humanity said this is our goal, we want every we want everybody watching TV and fucking and eating and playing sports, not professionally, of course, just recreationally, Stick and hiking lane. and making babies and raising kids and not working, nothing, nothing, pro- just that stuff. Nothing we think of as work. No, like the only thing that would be work would be raising, working, raising kids as work. <laughs> but you know, like it's not producing material value, except in the sense that it's producing another person. Right? I'm not devaluing that. I'm valuing that very highly. Uh, but if that was our goal, we could get there pretty quickly. We automate farming. I mean, like it, who would have to work to maintain that society? Okay, entertainment. No, we got it. Like you wouldn't have to make more. I, there's a great stand-up bit. I forget who did it. Like, hey, 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 people making porn. Uh, I looked at the internet. There's enough. You can stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, I mean, we we'd want entertainment. You know, people would have to keep the lights on, the electricity flowing, the food delivered. But we got drones. We had drones and robots. Drones and not even AI. Just like semi-smart labor robots just like siri and 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 alexa and and hey google and and (laughs) everybody's gonna stop 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 okay um yeah it's like things you're not allowed to say on a podcast (laughs) things you're actually not allowed to say on a podcast uh because it'll screw up your own devices right now so my stuff's all muted um but yeah like we're on the verge of that how much does this wave like is and and i don't i don't think we're going to go to i mean what but when that's an option technologically what's a society look like that's like that's the bigger more beautiful question here when people are liberated as we have been so far like as agriculture liberated humans from having to all be hunters and gatherers is the first major leap in specialization of labor. Oh, one dude can grow enough food to feed the village and the rest of us can do other shit. Cool. Cool. And we didn't all get lazy. Like that's not human nature. We, we produced and innovated. And even then when you think back to primitive times, it was, Oh, we can specialize labor. Then we can invest human resources in security. We can, build fences and train warriors and build better houses and be more comfortable and have clothes and, you know, and, and shoes and cobblers, tailors, smiths, you know, all, all, all of those came out of that first massive phase of human specialization of labor. Let's not forget prostitutes. And <laughs> prostitution. But even then, everybody was kind of directly connected to your food source. Or one step removed, like you knew where your food came from. Yeah. Gradually, over the last couple hundred years, that has changed. Now, most humans on Earth, although there's still a big chunk that are are, are connected, as I would think of this, uh, but most humans on Earth, certainly in all developed countries, ninety nine percent of human we are we are ninety nine percent of food that humans consume, we are divorced from its origins. 
and I'm not that special this way. Like even me, like if I get eggs for my neighbor, that's great. Then I'm like one one step removed. Um, and I I make I make tea, I make iced tea. I don't know where my I'm not I'm not some I make my own tea bags or figure it out. But uh, now quitting your own job, we might be at this phase with a, a technological profusion of wealth that means nobody has to work. How is that manifest? How is that shift? Well. More Americans quit in May than any other men, month on record going back to the beginning of the century. Uh, <clears throat> Low-wage workers aren't the only ones eyeing the door. In May, more than 700,000 workers in the Bureau's mostly white-collar category of professional and business services left their job, the highest monthly number ever. They left their jobs uh, across all sectors and occupations. They left their jobs uh, across all sectors and occupations. Four in ten employees now say they've considered heating out of their current place of work. The Atlantic—that's that's that's so vernacular now. We can use it in written formal journalism. They've considered piecing out of their current. I'm piecing out. Piecing no, out, peace yeah. out is what you say. We have verbified and mainstreamed piecing out. Peace out as a verb. I'm piecing out. They pieced out a while ago. Really? Really? Yeah, like yes. Pieced out like the I. Right, that's a true thing. No. Come on. All right, to so the bigger economic trends in inflation, dnyuz.com, as lumber prices fall, the threat of inflation loses its bite. Remember, when we were following this, I was excited by the possibility of runaway inflation in the era of crypto and the internet and being able to get away from the dollar. But Remember, the people with the best mathematicians money can buy know how to manipulate this and pull it back. And I did tell you this was a possibility. Excuse me. And so it would be it'd be really nice if lumber comes down. We get back to doing more stuff with lumber out here. Can we sell what we have? And yeah, we, we might. It? Yeah, be, that, it doesn't quite. Can we trade lumber like crypto? Is it a thing? Can we return it? Well, uh, what we yeah, no, because, well, I bought, the, I have a pile of lumber here. Well, we have a lot of old lumber that's not returnable, yeah. obviously. But the stuff that is sort of fresh and returnable that I bought, I bought, I think, like halfway up the upswing of lumber. I didn't buy the peak, at least. But we're already past the peak. I'm not moving. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I might try to game the system by, like, returning some shit to Home Depot, like warp boards. Because <laughs> I did. Well, I got a big pile delivered. And I was disappointed with some of the quality. But it's just normal for buying a big a big pallet, you know, would buy by this by the pallet delivery. Um but yeah, lumber prices soared over the past year. Uh frustrating would be pandemic do-it-yourselfers jacking up the costs of new homes and serving as a compelling talking point in the debate over whether government stimulus efforts risked the return of 1970 style inflation, the housing and renovation boom. Drove insatiable demand for lumber, even as the pandemic idled mill that had already been slowed by an anemic construction sector since the 2008 financial crisis. Lumber futures surged to unprecedented heights, speaking of more than $1,600 per thousand board feet in early May. Now it's like, fuck, now we all have to know what a thousand board feet is. I mean, it was, I, I can't figure out what a barrel of oil is and why, why $100 for a barrel. board foot different than a regular foot? It's feet of board. It's a certain. It's a certain. It's a okay. Just like they say, oil per barrel. They're not literally moving oil by the barrel. It's per fifty gallon unit, or is it fifty five gallon drum? Anyway, 
That's what a barrel of oil is. They're not actually moving it by the barrel. Board feed is a similar measure for lumber that's milled lumber for retail that's like a certain quantity and it's feet like board length and and you know, so that's why they call it you know, per thousand board feet and some industrial measurement of that that unit but like sixteen thousand dollars like what what's what's that i have to am i supposed to pay attention to to track the cost of a thousand board feet anyway but since then the prices of those same plywood sheets and pressure-treated planks have tumbled as mills restarted or ramped up production. Some customers put off their purchases. Still, prices came down. It's a dance of supply and demand that has reassured many experts that the Fed, in their belief, uh, and the Fed, in their belief that painful prices spike, price spikes for everything from airline tickets to used cars, will abate as the economy gets back to normal. It will for some things, but there will still be lasting effects. Steel is still up and lumber, the experience with lumber over this pandemic has been an interesting loop, so to speak. The spike in steel prices or the, rather the surge seems to be a little bit more endearing or enduring, not endearing, <laughs> the endearing price surge. It's, it's such an adorable little price surge. No, the, uh, the enduring price surge in steel based on much more stable economic factors driven, of course, by the automotive industry, manufacturing, electronics, et cetera, et cetera. Although autos being a, and new autos being a major factor here, I am, I am very hopeful that you're going to see this crash as well. The thing is the defenders of the dollar system are going to say, oh, look, inflation's not really a thing. Steel came down, wood came down. It's like, no, motherfucker. It's because they ramped up steel production. It's because, or they ramped up wood production, or as they are doing right now, and steel demand went way down. Now, I think steel demand is, is going to go up eventually, but there's there's an artificially inflated demand for steel with the auto industry manufacturing with lots of, like there's a, like in a free market, you wouldn't have auto dealers with lots of cars and some of them are fucking obscene you you know you, you wouldn't have the airplane graveyards that we drove past in southern california on the way to the california cool. convention yeah they are cool to see airplane graveyards but auto junkyards you look at all that steel and your heart's got to weep at the economic inefficiency that represents and i know i'm the keep going economic inefficiency well you know what that economic inefficiency is a diversion of energy and time and resources that could go to actually meeting human needs and I see a, a, a I see a, a a a dealer lot full of cars that no one's driving that they've spent how much on on manufacturing those cars are sitting idle while their kids going hungry while people need life saving surgeries and instead of those resources going towards providing those human needs it would be better expressed by a market demand because of the distortion of statism central banks government corporatism et cetera et cetera no we have Lots full of cars that no one is driving, and maybe nobody wants. And then you see that the the and you go, okay, Adam. Well, inefficiencies happen. You know, misallocations happen. Sure. Why isn't recycling of of you know ha happening the the way that it should? You know, again. Oh, by the way, administrative note. Shout out to our one viewer on Twitch, where we just launched this week with the live show. We have one person 
Da, 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 da. Watching on Twitch right now. Congratulations. You are the one and all. Uh, first, you can be the first yes. subscribers, followers. Are we getting comments? Are we, we getting are comments on Twitch? Yet? We will be able to get comments. So if you're watching on Twitch and you comment, Stand by. It'll, we, comments we can coming. read and pop up just like just like here on, on good old YouTube. It's happening. We'll get there. Well, Twitch, at least if you're watching, can you, can you, someone was watching Twitter, someone in the producers club, if our one viewer on Twitch right now would like to make a comment, please share this on Twitch. We'd like, uh, you know, we'd like to take advantage of the platform. Um, I think, you know, like I said, you know, yesterday about our, our first day on Twitch, I, I think gamers, um, I'm not going to, are inherently skeptical. So, you know, for integrity's sake, I'm not going to bullshit you and try to say, you know, because I, because I play two dots, you know, which is like people who pretend to be smart's version of Candy Crush. You're going to get some um, hardcore Mario Kart with me. And then, then you can claim to be a gamer. It's on the phone now. I did love Mario Kart back in the day. Um, what was, there was one other game I was really into in college that I used to get stoned and play like. This was very no, good. No, 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 no. Uh, isn't that the, the, the creeper one? No, no, it was like Tamagotchi or Tamagotchi is the the and the fake yeah, like, thing. Yeah, it was like you would roll a ball of junk and pick up more junk, and the goal was to make the biggest ball of junk. Someone please tell me what the name of this game is because I, I want to get it yeah, now, that's... like on a on an emulator to play on. Like this is like as like satisfying simple stoner game. Paperboy. It was like two Japanese words. I don't remember. I don't remember was it, it Nintendo or Sega? Wait, wait, you said college, so you're talking like PlayStation. 2005, 2004. I was not. I was still playing my Super it's, Nintendo. It's, I'm looking at the Producers Club. Nobody in the Producers Club can help me out with this. I'm pretty sure if I googled like that game where you rolled stuff into where you rolled Did junk. You know platform was on? I think it was N64. Was that still a thing in 2004? Was N64? It might be. My son still plays my GameCube and calls me and asks me how to get through certain levels in Zelda. So It's so interesting now that like even while cutting edge of gaming technology is super fucking out there, gaming technology that is an truly antique at this point is still fucking amazing. And it still works. And will blow a kid's mind. And yeah, this one was, so this was like 3D. You play like a little cartoon guy. Katamari. Thank you, Katamari Damachi. Tamaguchi. Okay. Tamagotchi. What was the thing? Close. Yeah. Katamari Damachi. I want to play Katamari. Someone find me a Katamari. But I need you need a you need a remote. You you can't. Oh. I could do it with my phone. Is there a phone version? Is there a good phone version of Tamagotchi? Maybe there's a good phone version Katamari of Tetris Damashi. right now. So why wouldn't there be a good version of whatever the hell you just said? Say it again. Tama. Put it on screen. <laughs> Katamari. Katamari Damachi. And it's Damachi or it looks like it's pronounced Katamari Damachi. It's a good question. I'm going to look that up. What is What are those Japanese words actually mean? All right. Back to talking about steel prices and how it relates to you. Because today's show's title is Something in your wallet. What were we talking about? What do we talk? The strawberry supermoon in your wallet. The, the strawberry supermoon will not affect your wallet, but the econ block stuff will. CNBC with the next headline: With car prices surging, 
Yours is a prime target for thieves. And this is an I told you so, along with the general crime wave following coming out of COVID with all the mental health issues people are still dealing with. But also, remember, I, I predicted this around the time, I think early when we got the, the first Biden $1,400 and in, in, in like, was it late January, early February? People were getting those $1,400. I was like, and people aren't working. There's going to be, there's, and there's, at first I thought that used car prices were going to go down, that it was going to be a buyer's market. But it turns out there, there are a lot less people with jobs who want to buy new cars on financing, get a loan from the bank, and instead would rather buy used cars. So the pandemic, so to the story bullet points, the pandemic has helped fuel the biggest jump in auto thefts in more than a decade, experts say. Higher prices for new and used cars are making vehicles even more valuable to thieves. Surprisingly, many vehicles are stolen after the driver leaves the keys inside. And so we, we just, we do this all the time here. Here? I mean, but like, no, no, no. I mean, like, in, in through Gardenia either. So. No, no, I don't mean here in Gardenia. I mean, here in Northern Arizona. Oh, well, yeah, the same thing. I was, we did this at the Verizon in Prescott because we have puppies in the car and we did it in Seligman, although Seligman, well, thing is, we left the car running to leave the air conditioning on for the dogs yeah. and the windows. Anybody could have gotten in there. Like, Anybody could have gone and stole the dogs in the car. And well, it's kind of like if you're going to steal a car, don't steal one with the dogs. And I know. Except for our dogs will be in the window wagging their tail. Like, no, it's not because it's not they're trying to, it's not because our dogs are security threats because it's like now you got to deal with these fucking dogs. And, yeah, right. I mean, my pickup truck is pretty well composed to not be the one you want to steal. Let's just put it like that. Um, but yeah, all right. We got, we got a lot more headlines to cover today. Still a lot more economic headlines to get into. Uh, well, <coughs> so Katamari Damathy means clump spirits. <laughs> and there is a new yeah. game on all the new platforms called Katamari Damathy Revolt. I'm pretty sure it's Damachi. Even though it looks like Damacy. Or Damacy. The Macy. It's Clump Spirit. No. Clump Spirit. <laughs> that's a that's a very appropriate name for the game based on PlayStation. <laughs> I remember playing. Yeah. No, it's and it's like it's a pretty cool explore world pile up. Someone Jim you want to pull up like all right i'm done bullshitting gamers my point of all that whole gaming sidebar was that gamers are skeptical and i think it's a huge opportunity for for libertarian outreach because and the thing is a lot of gamers and i i will say something at, at risk of insulting the gaming community i think a lot of you the one of you watching on twitch right now um <clears throat> uh video games are not just recreation but escapism and at that point, it's not healthy. Gaming inherently is not healthy or unhealthy. But escapism is unhealthy and excessive sedentary lifestyle is unhealthy. And those, those are the two risks I see. But the one I want, and I'll address both. Uh, no, but the one I really want to want to talk about, talk about is that um, there are a lot of great minds who are tricked into what they think is a rational ignorance about government and politics 
and and thus tempted by escapism a little bit more. And it's not escapism of video games necessarily, but escaping politics with other things, escaping community, escaping society, escaping even your the, the reality of your interactions. There it is. And I know Jim's going to pull up a Katamari clip. This is how I spent my time. Um, so yeah, Katamari Damachi is a great stoner game. It's a great just like mindless meditation game. Um, and something that's fun to just sit around and do with your friends, eating pizza in a dorm room. I don't know. I, I probably don't want to get sucked into it again. But um, there are a lot of great skeptical minds in the gaming community, and they enjoy various games because they involve flexing that skepticism muscle. D. Vincent W. Gamers are into games. Many do not want to get political. Many hate politics and find games a satisfactory escape. No, and I get that, and 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 I, I think that there's a problem with that, and it's an escape from not because because you know what? Guess what, motherfuckers? You just turned yourself into an NPC as far as the real world is concerned. You have to be vigilant. I mean, you don't have to get involved and dive in, right? But you you definitely want to be vigilant on what's going on around you. The people literally controlling. Don't be an NPC. Yeah, man. Don't be an NPC. Don't be, be an NP Don't be an NPC in the real world. You might be an NPC. Wait, if you spend all your time with NPCs in a virtual world, you, you might be, be one of the NPCs in the real world. And 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 I would say to, that 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 the world needs you to step away from the gaming for a minute and apply that brilliant skepticism to the political reality that the world faces. That's my plea to gamers. Silly, silly. Yeah. So Bloomberg at Yahoo.com, a record buyout is just the start as wealthy flee U.S. tax hike. For 110 years, four generations of Mills family members earned their money by expanding their great-grandfather's Chicago apron business into a medical supplier that ranked among the nation's largest private companies. But soon after Democrats turned their attention toward raising taxes for the wealthy this year, the family signed a deal to cash out billions. It was no coincidence. According to people close to the more than $30 billion transaction, which sold part of Medline Industries, Inc., to a consortium of Wall Street investors and the healthcare industry's biggest leveraged buyout. There, you're going to see more of this. No shit. Uh, and this is like Mark Cuban and Elon Musk arguing against the wealth tax. Like, well, I'd have to sell stuff, and then important stuff is devalued. Like, I'm I'm a billionaire because I run companies, not because I'm sitting on a pile of cash. So tax income, not wealth. And and I say fucking tax nothing. Like, why steal shit from anybody? Um, but because you have unintended consequences, you're going to see real weird economic surges as a result of, of people who are in that super rich bracket now adjusting to tax threats. Financial Post lessons from California's pot industry bailout. Dun dun dun. Getting cannabis regulations comes wrong comes at a high cost as California's hundred million dollar fund to help floundering marijuana businesses is made clear. And, you know, the, the funny thing about the story, I don't want to get too into it again. Links in the notes, t.me slash Adam versus the man. Every day we post all the links of everything we cover on the show if you want to get more into it. If you want to get more into this one, there's some fun thing here. But Joey is G.I. Mary Jane. And with our recent experiences in California, it's it, this is just one indicator of the bigger problem in California, which is that they haven't gotten their regulations set in a way that allows dispensaries to develop as healthy businesses. That's why you have bodegas 
still paying 15% taxes in California on sales as the most common business model, except for all the uh, gray market sales in California. That's part of what this, uh, this article is about. Um, the process has also been slow and expensive. Rules legalization, which began in 2016, messy with rules varying by city and county. Weighed the most on small operators. Thus, many haven't transitioned to the regulated recreational market, which has more potential than medical. So you have a lot of people operating in sort of bodega gray zone where they can, they're willing to make a storefront happen, but not make it a nice storefront. And it's kind of risky to have on patients too, because hear me out. Reliable strains. Reliable strains. Somebody who needs high THC, they, they can't find it in a recreational market, but yet there is a scarcity of medical dispensaries because the regulations are re fucking ridiculous in every state. And in most states, they require 24-hour surveillance on your grow. You can't even pick your nose at work without the state seeing it. It's yeah. like that. 24-hour surveillance, they get to see the cameras whenever they I still want. think this is, this is the middle of the war on drugs now, where we're fighting for production rights rather than personal usage rights. But it is, it is still a very important fight, and in California, a very real one. It has real consequences and it's not, we don't want to complain because, you know, patients still have better access than ever before. It's yep, fucking a great totally. time to be alive. Axios, another headline from California, California pay off unpaid rent accrued during COVID-19 pandemic. And it's funny because California is like this economic powerhouse and then goes, Oh look, we can make socialism work sort of. No, no, you can't. Uh, Excuse me, NPR.org. Cargo is piling up everywhere and it's making inflation worse. How's that? John Nephew thought he had a winner with a new tabletop game called Dice Miner. Importing games from China turned out to be its own roll of the dice. Yeah, he ordered a 40-foot cargo container full of games from Shanghai in December, anticipating delivery in about six weeks. Instead, the games took nearly six months to arrive. An increasingly common example of the supply chain bottlenecks pushing inflation to its higher highest level in more than a dozen years. So the way this is working is, and, and why this affects inflation is and price inflation, not real inflation. You go, how does this affect inflation? Adam, inflation isn't inflation of monetary supply. Yeah, this is the other inflation, actual price inflation, uh, which is the, the misuse of the word inflation, which should be used to describe the increase of the money supply. And we should only say inflation when we're talking about prices with the words, at least with the word price inflation in front of it, but you reduce supply because of supply chain bullshit around COVID, you're going to have runaway price inflation. Now, this leads me to believe that what we're seeing now is a surge, not a spiral of inflation, that they will be able to pull this back. So yeah, don't, don't get too carried away with Maybe you're you're leveraging up, or you're uh, you know I don't want to give too much advice because this is a good time to leverage up to borrow against the dollar to take out long term loans, um, to to buy use that to buy crypto or real estate. Those are good plays against inflation for an individual if you can get a loan, um, if if you can if you can arrange your personal finances to take advantage of this of it this way. But I I wouldn't be super confident right now given that. This trend in shipping bottlenecks will be overcome in the next couple of years, right? It's not a permanent thing. 
And there's other manipulations and people who want to make this happen for specific plays they're making. But uh, we, we will straighten this out. And that particular pressure on price inflation is going to go away. I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's impossible. I'm not going to pretend that I can make the prediction which, which ways it's going to go. Because it could go one of two ways, right? The current trend of inflation could be the death spiral of the dollar, runaway, destabilization, who knows? It could be a surge like the 70s and pull back to some level of stability. It's really only those two options. And nobody, unless you're one of the people pulling the levers, you're part. You're one of the assholes running the system. Nobody can really predict which way this is going to go, and I, I think even they can't because this is not, you know, a handful of people who get to sit in the same room. This is a handful of people in a handful of handfuls of people in handfuls of rooms across the world making major financial policy decisions and central bank interest rate decisions who get to, who, who might have an interest in pulling it one way or the other. So you could make that prediction by going, well, I think they want stability, so they're going to pull it back, and I think they can't. Because they, I think it's going to spiral because I think they can't pull it back or they don't want to pull it back. And then you're making a very subjective psychological analysis. And you can make that, and people are. There are a lot of people, there are blog posts out there. There are all sorts of, of, of people predicting it. And I think a lot of them are colored by their personal biases or what they're trying to sell. This is why we're excited with Adam versus the man to be able to soon say brought to you ad free by patrons. We're getting away from anything sponsorship or even ad based on the show. So very cool that this is now possible. And at least I know that I'm not tempted by those biases. CNBC.com. China's Bruno. Cause we know we go now to our crypto block. We're going to at least get through econ and crypto for our guests. China's renewed crypto crackdown wipes $400 billion off the market as Bitcoin slides. China's renewed crackdown on the crypto industry has wiped off around $400 billion in value of the total digital currency market since Friday. And a lot of people in the United States are watching their holdings dip as a result of this. But I just see this as another time to buy. Um, the, fu the, the fundamentals of crypto are strong, <laughs> right? As John McCain would say about, about the fundamentals of the American economy are strong. Yes, the fundamental demand for Bitcoin is still there. The understanding is still there. The global network is still there. But the global network has taken a hit in China because they ordered crypto. Yeah. They ordered cryptocurrency miners in just the Sichuan. Is that how you say it? Sichuan province. Sichuan. But with an E. It's not yeah. No, Szechuan sauce. You know what? This is probably Sichuan. Okay. Because it's S-I-C-H-U-A-N. Because maybe Szechuan is like S-E-Z-H. Yeah, there's nothing so there. CH has got to be like a harder ch sound. Uh, the People's Bank of China urged financial institutions not to provide services related to cryptocurrency activities. And there, we have some more bad news for crypto. <clears throat> but I see this like in China, this move in particular, temporary suppression. Bitcoin, CNBC has another headline, Bitcoin sell-off intensifies as the crypto falls below... Oh, below $30,000 level turns negative for the year. That's big. And now you look at the dip and, and it's like, how much is this manipulated? How much is this going to go lower? 
And so I, I'm going to give out some financial advice here. I think some, some pretty humble, modest advice is that I think we can be confident overall that Bitcoin is going to go up. Pretty safe bet. And if it goes up, you know, Joey has seen predictions still they hit 100,000 by the end of the year in the next six months. If it has another bull run and peaks at that, sure. But I, I'm looking at the long term of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is going to have some spikes and some dips. And it's going to keep going until it's no longer the dominant cryptocurrency. Sure. And I would so, so never invest. And, and I, this is not true about gold and silver because of gold and silver buy as, buy as much as you want and can manage securely with crypto. I say, you know, so don't buy more gold and silver than you can manage securely, but then can you manage your dollar in a bank securely? No. <laughs> so, you know, figure out a way to do it. Crypto. Don't buy more than you can afford to lose. Don't ever, you know, don't depend on it. Don't count on it. There are too many variables. It's too unstable. But in terms of do you buy crypto now? Do you buy Bitcoin now? Yeah, this is a good time to buy. Um, I, I don't think Bitcoin is going, I, I think I think it's going to, it might go down more. I'm not trying to call this as the bottom, but I think this is the end of a, the, the major dip phenomena that we're, we're seeing right now just like everything um, else there is growth in time so as long as you're patient with whatever you do right and, and, I, and i would suggest, i would predict that you're going to see another spike over sure. there you, you want to play it short term i wouldn't i'm not giving short-term investment advice the next stimulus uh, because i'm not following it on a on a short-term basis like you'll buy now and sell in three months when it hits this no but like this if you you know if you got five hundred a thousand dollars or or Maybe for you, if you're very fortunate and you're you're able to to safely diversify and throw five thousand, ten thousand into Bitcoin, now would be the time. If 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 that's a lot of money, do you do a lot more research? If you're gonna if you're gonna spend more than ten thousand on crypto right now, you better be doing a lot more research than listening to Anna versus the man. And I'm like, if if you are, if you're not, you're an idiot. And I'm gonna stop giving out financial advice over that petty immediate level. Um, but Yahoo Finance has this headline from Bloomberg. Bitcoin forms death cross as sell-off shows no sign of reprieve. Ugh. Scary news. The death cross. What's the death cross? After a slew of news related to renewed crackdowns from China triggering a Bitcoin sell-off, chartists and analysts are turning to a sinister-sounding technical signal. The original cryptocurrency has formed a death cross, meaning its, meaning its average price over the last 50 days fell below that of its 200-day moving average. The indicator is typically seen as a closely watched technical measure that could offer a hint at more pain to come. And, and this is something that isn't unique to cryptos. The concept of the death cross, I believe, comes from uh, traditional analysis of commodities and stocks where it would indicate some failure in the fundamentals. There isn't failure. I mean, there, the failure in the fundamentals is Sichuan province in China can't mine Bitcoin right now. And to some extent, there's a crackdown with China interacting with banks, with crypto. And there might be a not, but this isn't a lessening in actual demand. This is a lessening in effective demand. I don't know if those are the right economic terms. Bear with me for a second. Joey, does that make sense? The, 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 like cannabis, you make cannabis illegal, effective demand of people out on the streets saying, I want to buy cannabis goes down actual demand is just as high sure. as giraffe pussy when people want to smoke weed just as much as before it was made illegal so we have a reduction in 
effective demand because of this fundamental shift in China. But the actual demand, if anything, is higher. I would assume because yeah. people in I would assume people in China are going, oh, my government doesn't want me to have this. Rebellion in China is a strange thing. Mm. Um, so we are going to be watching this closely and following this. If you have more stories you want to share but of analysis of Bitcoin or crypto price moving, please, um, well, Producers Club members can send them there. If you're not a Producers Club member, you can email adam at thefreedomline.com. Businessinsider.com. Dogecoin has plunged more than 70% since Elon Musk's SNL performance in May, shedding $70 billion in market cap. And I did tell you so. I told I told you this was a, this was a pump and dump. This is and, and I don't like Elon for this. As much as I like everything else, this looks like, eh, really, dude? Eh, really, dude? Did he? he, he but things he bought into Bitcoin a lot more. And it wasn't. It, you know, see, Bitcoin, though. Like, yeah. Like, oh, look, I can play with my toys and not do what I say. It's kind of, I don't know. I thought he had a plan there. But now I'm starting to wonder, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, bad news and more bad news in crypto. And this is this, so. If this dip is sustained, and we don't see a predictable new spike, new surge in the next six months, it's going to be because central banks are suppressing the price. It's going to be because there is a, a larger scale manipulation of the markets. And why would they do that aside from protecting? Their own rackets. Well, the Jerusalem Post has one potential clue. Israel has already tested a digital shekel cryptocurrency. That's right. The concept of issuing such a currency has been in discussion since 2017, but it decided to accelerate its research and preparation for the potential issuance. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so we do have we have some fun grab bag stories. We have some we have some really gay shit. First. Active NFL player to come out as gay. Beautiful uh, story. We're, we are going to get to that and play uh, Carl Nassib. I hope that's how you say it. I don't even know. Nassib. Nassib. Carl Nassib uh, came out as uh, – he's not the first because there was – who was it that came out as a draft pick? Player was the first. Anyway, interesting story we could ramble about for a long time. But uh, let's get to our guests, and we will hopefully we will come back to that and check in with Steve Remus, our co-host today, on comments. I haven't seen a lot. Are people are people not get? I mean, I've seen, I've seen good comments, but not a lot of comment contest entries. Have I been missing this? You can win membership in the Producers Club with. I mean, did I did I just did I kill the the contest by winning it by saying taxes? Yeah, we'd eliminate taxes, uh, weed laws. Speeding tickets so I can get to McDonald's. Somebody said, I was like, oh, that stuff will kill you. Yeah, that, it wasn't wrong answers only today. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's get to our guest then, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us today, Dennis Misigoy. He is running for Florida Senate for the Libertarian Party. He is the son of two immigrants, uh, born and raised in Miami Dade, graduated from Miami. This is like, the official campaign bio. He's wearing a suit and tie, and he he's uh, graduated from Miami Springs Senior High. He's a he's a Miami Dade good old boy. Uh, but no, this is this is I'm not I'm not making fun of it. This is a great opportunity for a libertarian candidate to run to represent and serve your community. 
Uh, he's been he's been a teacher uh, as a public high school teacher. Um, I hear that's a dangerous job in Florida. Is that a bad joke now? Uh, oh. We have we have some issue. We're going to get into that in a serious way, though. Um, you've been a software engineer, and uh, yeah, apparently specialized asset management. Definitely got some interesting work outside teaching. Uh, married 15 years, three kids, active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, that's an interesting one to put like front and center in your bio in this day and age. I'm kind of <laughs> curious. Uh, not not so much about the personal aspect of that. I, I certainly respect how that might, you know, spiritual belief in, in the uh, the ethical groundings of Christ would lead you. I'm, I'm actually shocked how that could lead you to anything other than libertarianism. Really? Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you to rail on your Christian status. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Dennis, uh, thank you so much for joining us and for running this race. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning, brother? Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for uh, for giving me a chance to come on. Uh, appreciate it. And and uh, and the intro. It is actually, though, the crazy thing. I decided to go ahead and actually run for U.S. Senate um, a few years back in 2018. We didn't run any statewide candidates. And I think uh, it was something that lost us a bit of momentum. Uh, so something I really thought was important mm-hmm. to try to do. Um, and it, it was something where I thought, well, if nobody else is going to do it, uh, then I was going to go ahead and do it. Uh, if you get a little further down the bio, at least in terms of the the next piece on it, actually was about where I ran for public office locally in Miami-Dade County, tiny, tiny little special taxing district uh, where I live. But uh, I ran in 2016 there, uh, won with uh, 63% of the vote, and this is nonpartisan. Like I said, it's a tiny little district, but uh, endured two years of some difficult stuff. Came out of that, actually ended up having quite a bit of success in the latter half of that. Um, but fast forward to now, uh, was something that I thought was important for us to be able to have somebody on the ballot throughout the state, if we can, uh, Florida. And, and I think if we don't, it's a missed opportunity, Florida compared to most states has really favorable, uh, very favorable ballot access laws in terms of third parties, libertarians and anybody else trying to get on the ballot. So it'd be a real shame to not try to take advantage of that, especially I think Going forward with this year, um, I expect that our U.S. Senate race is going to be one of the more high-profile ones. We've got Marco Rubio as the incumbent, uh, who was a former presidential candidate a few years back, and uh, and Val Demings most likely going to be the Democrat who was part of the Veep stakes for for Biden last year. So, uh, so I'm expecting that, and I think liberty should be part of the conversation. I think. Uh, and when I look, obviously, at the records of those two, I think Florida deserves a lot better. Uh, that's that's one of my taglines. And I think also, uh, you know, nothing is going to happen quickly. The, you know, if any one of us gets elected to higher office here, uh, obviously, they're going to be alone. It's it's going to be a struggle, but things take time. But But we can't wait to begin those changes. We can't wait any longer for this stuff to happen. I always hear people... Uh, respond when you talk about things like voting for a third party that, oh, well, when they become viable, maybe I'll think about it. We can't wait, man. Uh, we, we've got to do stuff now. We've got to take action now. And so that's, that's part of what this is about. It, it would be nice. And I think, you know, for me and a lot of other people who are more engaged in the party, we can get more excited about, um, we can get more excited about our, our folks running for local office, county commissions and things like that. But for the average voter, is more detached from that sort of thing. They, they see the higher profile races. And I think 
um, that's folks that we need to engage. And so the first thing we got to do is get into the conversation. We got to put ourselves there, um, which a lot of others do. And, you know, to, to mix results, but you know, you can't win if you never even start, if you never even try. So, um, so we take a shot. How much does being a teacher in Florida play into this? And is it relevant in the gun debate or is that just national hot button stuff that doesn't matter to real voters in Florida? Um, Do we lose audio? And we lost your audio. Yeah. It was perfect and then just cut. It's not on our end, Jim, is it? Your video is still perfectly clear. No audio. Very strange. Um, no audio. So, yeah, so Jim says uh, we're, we're looking all good on our side. No. Did you did you actually mute, mute yourself perhaps in StreamYard? Is there a display on underneath your video as it's shown on the screen there? No. I have had StreamYard just been like, uh, hey, fuck your headphones before. So maybe, yeah. Yeah. Try without the headphones. I don't know. Mm -hmm. StreamYard. So this is yeah. Well, welcome to high tech independent media in 2021. Um, I'll keep rambling. We'll have no doubt. No, it's. This is being a libertarian, right? They just you just get your mic cut at random times. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. me. I love you, Dennis. I'm not trying to everything you said was right spot on. I didn't cut your mic. Um technical no. Maybe try Weird. dialing back in. Maybe try uh cutting out out and in of StreamYard. I'll ramble and he'll come back. All right. So what else did we have? We had some we had some grab bag stuff. We want I think, man, there's the big, uh, oh, so many big issues that I really wanted to get into with, with mental health and with the, uh, the police state stuff with, uh, Joe Biden domestic terrorism strategy. But here's a fun one, Joey. Did you know that the, uh, the world health organization doesn't want you to drink any alcohol since you're between, you're a woman between 18 and 50. Yeah. This is the new suggestion for women of, childbearing age the world health organization says no booze for you Never. yeah yeah okay. so this is a proposal part of the world health organization's draft global alcohol action plan wow from, for 2022 to 2030 wow we're going after alcohol now again because we let cannabis back out is that what's going on i don't know i think this is just weird who control trying to uh, its experts say appropriate attention should be given to prevention of the initiation of drinking among children and adolescents, prevention of drinking among pregnant women and women of childbearing age. It's all women. All women. Yeah. Men, yeah. All right. Our guest is back. Do we have audio with Dennis? All right. We got you back. Sweet. All right. Thank you for your persistence there, sir. Oh, so so being a teacher, gun issues, Florida hot button. Yes. No. Relevant to your race. Um, from my well it's been a little while since i've been in the classroom um i taught down here but it was uh when when teaching in florida was back uh oh four oh five so it's, it's been a little while i taught a few years out of state as well um but you know you find strong opinions any which way uh i think obviously there's there's a certain overlap 
Uh, and we've seen it at least in terms of what are the, the more well-recognized faces of the gun debate with, with respect to schools. Um, but, but, but it's a mixed bag, I think with anything, Florida, um, Florida, as much as any place though, you have a lot of people as well. Uh, and it's part of why it's typically a red state. You know, there, there is a, there is a value placed on, on second amendment rights and, uh, you know, we, we, we sort of have, I guess maybe we've had a little bit more of the issues where we've had some of the, the mass shootings, but uh, that has occurred also in these places, which to be honest, wouldn't really have been pro gun places re- prior to that anyway. Right. Uh, so, so it's in some respect reinforces that, but uh, you know, that, that as it, as it relates to that, I think um, it's an opportunity obviously for, I think for us as libertarians, because there is certainly an appetite for, uh, you know, the, the folks respecting gun rights. I mean, I'm, uh, around here in, in central Florida now there's like, you know, machine gun America and some, all these other sort of interesting places that, that sort of center around, um, you know, the gun culture, let's say. Right. And if I, you know, and at the same time, we've got a Republican-led legislature and, and state government that's passed red flag laws. We've got a U.S. senator who's who's uh, been behind or, or pushing for red flag laws, which I think is, um, you know, a clear one that that we we typically stand against. So, uh, well, also sort of, the, I mean, there's an element of this being horrifically hypocritical on Marco Rubio's part, right? Mm-hmm. His his rhetoric on guns versus the policy he's actually supported. I think yeah. that's a, that's a that's a great opportunity. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. For a libertarian candidate, excuse me, running against any state is to call them on their our hypocrisy. And Rubio's got some really glaring ones. I just wonder if in, if it when you're facing the anti-gunners in all of this, you get to play the teacher card because I hear so many teachers saying, "I'm a teacher. I don't want guns anywhere near the school." And you can say, "Well, I want people to be able to defend themselves." And you know, private property and schools should set policy, but when it comes to government schools, we want realistic security, and a school shouldn't be a defense-free zone. Is, is that how relevant is that in your race? Um, it hasn't been something that's necessarily to the forefront, but it's obviously it's a it's a talking point that that we kind of have a grounding to be prepared for. Um, it, it's it it's not something that I've made my focus, but. But definitely agree. Nobody should be left to be a victim. Nobody should be obligated to be defenseless. Um, and that's what we do when we put up these signs and make gun-free zones and everything else um, to say that. And again, I don't go to the other extreme to say, well, everybody should have a gun. Obviously, we, we believe in individual freedom. Uh, if you're not comfortable with it, you don't have to have it. But someone who is comfortable, who's who's done, um, who's prepared themselves and, and feels that they can better defend themselves by having by having a firearm, Nobody, certainly not the government, should have any standing to stand in the way of that and prevent them from being able to defend themselves because absolutely any terrible scenario that a police officer could go into to deal with, um, to come and save people from whatever, the the person who's being targeted is going to be there first. And they're going to be there on their own. And uh, they should have just as much the means to defend themselves as anyone else uh, or anyone coming in, any government agent. Let's say it that way. Absolutely. Any... Other glaring hypocrisy wedge issues you plan to use against your duopoly opponents in this race? What 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 do you think is well, you know, how I, you get the attention of Floridians right now? Um, I mean, getting the attention, I think, just trying to 
demonstrate the kind of the failures. Marco Rubio came in, I think, originally with like that whole sort of Tea Party wave back in uh, 2010. Uh, I pretty sure the national debt has about doubled since then. I think it was around uh, 14 trillion back then. It's 28 trillion. So big success. Um, and sure you can't put it on just on one guy, but has he, how often has he been the, has, how often has he been the vote to, to go against spending? Uh, this is a guy who spent the last couple of years. And it's funny with the, with the great uh, marketing that the GOP has done uh, casting Democrats as, you know, radical socialists, especially here in Florida. I mean, they had success. I mean, Florida went red in the last presidential election. Um, and they, and they picked up a lot of seats in South Florida by banging this drum of socialism. But Marco Rubio has been spending the last couple of years, uh, kind of toting his own brand of central economic planning. He calls it a common good capitalism. It's, uh, ooh, it's ooh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, it, it is bizarre. And, um, and so, you know, that those are the kind of things that are, that I think are sort of low hanging fruit. If you want to just demonstrate hypocrisy for me though, um, you know, the biggest things for me are the issues that really impact and destroy people's lives. And, you know, I, I try to fixate on stuff like ending the wars. Um, you shouldn't continue funding these departments and, and allowing all these things to continue. If you don't put in conditions, uh, if you don't put in requirements to sort of end this and bring the troops home, this is, we're on two decades into the longest war in American history, pretty much. Um, and with the Afghanistan papers coming on 2019, we, we know that these guys have all been lying to us, you know, for, for most of this time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't stop it now, then when, you know, how much, how much more can you wait? How much more can you let this drag on? I'm encouraged by seeing at least the house vote down to, uh, voting down the, or excuse me, voting to uh, repeal the AUMF for Iraq. You know, that's encouraging. Uh, the authorization for military force. But uh, we'll, we'll see if that actually gets through. And even if it gets through, like I said, there's so much else going on and uh, and so much that's been justified with also the, the authorization that was used for Afghanistan. So, yep. um, so, those, so those things, uh, the drug war obviously here, at home wars abroad and wars at home uh because we're, we're destroying lives people caught in the crossfire innocent people um on turf wars between rival organized crime because we've created this lucrative black market by through prohibition um victims because uh what goes into it all uh, you guys were talking a little earlier about um you know how absurd this is the situation is with marijuana in California that they're bailing out the industry and, and this and that, but with all the regulation, and everything that's gone on, they have worked really hard to preserve the black market. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, Dennis, we have, we have just enough time to take one quick question. I was getting back to the guns from Mike Freeman on YouTube. One of our favorite commenters here in Virginia. I remember the Vermont or sorry, VT is in Virginia tech shooting. What's your opinion on adults and college campuses? and concealed carry the police damn sure didn't help in that situation quick answer please it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer uh anybody should have the right to defend themselves wherever they are uh government should never stand in the way and caught, give anyone a reason anywhere they go to be a defenseless victim uh, well said you know you know dennis in, in your earlier answer i actually really liked how you turned it to the larger economic issues and the deception. And I think it's really important if you recall from James Carville, who made his name as Bill Clinton's campaign manager, 
when asked, you know, why are people going for Clinton instead of, you know, W, uh, it was, or HW, excuse me. Uh, it was the original, the original Bush. Uh, it was, it's the economy, stupid. And I think it's time for libertarians to bring it back and own that and place the albatross of all of our recent economic woes on the old parties. And I applaud you for your hand in doing that. Uh, we're definitely going to have you on again as, as we get closer to your election. Uh, but I want to make sure that you get the chance to make a pitch for volunteers. And we know that anybody who's watching, if you're in Florida, you want an exciting Senate race to get involved in, mysticoy.com. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Any closing thoughts? Uh, just thank you again for this, uh, for the opportunity to get on here and speak to folks. And uh, again, like I said, there's there's so much to do, so much, um, so many things. We as libertarians kind of recognize all these all these problems that are that abound us, uh, things that are impacting people's lives, uh, destroying lives. And uh, what are we waiting for to kind of do something about it? And uh, obviously, it's not something I can do alone. So whatever support folks can give, uh, very much appreciate, including this. Thank you so much. Well said. Thank you for joining us, Dennis. All right. We got just a few minutes left in the show. Let's check in with Steve Remus, our co-host today. I almost said co-chair. Co-chair. Yeah. I got, I'm, co-chair. I'm so fucking I'm stuck in now. stupid bullshit drama. I'm the chair. Hey, that was one of my favorite memes of Somali Pirate going, I'm the chair now. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we, we would be better <laughs> well, off. Well, you can't make fun of yourself. <laughs> uh, so. I need my COVID vitamins. So a lot of people answered taxes. Mike Freeman answered speed limits. And as someone who owns a fast car, Mike Freeman really spoke to my soul. So <laughs> no speed limits. The only limit is your mind on how fast your car should go. There you go. So um, outside of that. Uh, well, there is there is another limit. There's another limit. I'm a big advocate of smoking weed and driving. So if we get some music here. <laughs> Smoke weed every day. Our day. Uh, I see what you did there. Steve is not partaking this morning. Uh, but no, I, I, I'm actually I, I'm against speeding. I'm all about that road safety. And uh, let's get some self-driving, self-flying cars so we can smoke weed all day and you can even drink and drive. No, I drive like an old man. I am, and Joey will know, I'm genuine. Like, I speed on the dirt road. That's my fun place. That's not even speeding. It's a private dirt road. It's not speeding. Anyway, good answer. Um, But, yeah, no, I've wrecked too many motorcycles in my time. I'll get my adrenaline thrills without putting my life for anybody <laughs> else's. That's, that's I'm not that guy that like that's when somebody goes speeding. That's my adrenaline fix. <laughs> well, oh, man. well I support the privatization privatization of roads and you having the right to do whatever the fuck you want on well, if it's my road, it would be your road. <laughs> your road. All right. Thank you so much. And thanks for keeping the comments flowing today, Steve. Let's get Jim to take us home with the producer notes. What's going on? Yeah, I wouldn't call it speeding what you do. I call it romping. That's what you do going through the road. Yeah. Uh, T.me forward slash Adam versus the man. <laughs> That's how you can join the show. Uh, join the show notes and check out all the stuff we missed today. You can see it there. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. That's how you can support the show. Instagram handle is at the Garden of Freedom, so you can see all the pictures and videos of everything going up there in Gardenia. The Crypto6.com 
is where you can go to help the guys with uh, their lawyer fees or writing to the people still in cages for the Crypto 6. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website for do-it-yourselfers. Have a great day, everybody. We got some good news in this day's good news in history from goodnewsnetwork.org that gives us some important perspective on recent human progress. It was on this day in 1970, the voting age in the United States was lowered to 18 when President Richard Nixon signed the bill passed by Congress into law. Think about that. Before that, it'd be 21. I think we're going back. You join the military, couldn't vote. All right. But also, it was on this day in 1976. The Canadian House of Commons abolished capital punishment. And with that, peace and love. Y'all choose happiness and be excellent to each other.